Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's June 7th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by Andrew Egger and Jim Swift of the Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much. Uh, Let's start off by talking about Scott Pruitt. Uh, I, I have a piece up on the Weekly Standard site, The Mystery of Scott Pruitt, which is really the mystery of Scott Pruitt's mattress. I, I mean, I get a lot about Scott Pruitt. I mean, I, I get the swampy thing. I get the, the grifting. I get, you know, the graft, all of that stuff. I, I am just puzzled about what goes on inside someone's mind that they're either so sycophantic or so greedy that they actually want a hotel mattress. I mean, gentlemen, this is one of those things that you don't want to think about. You know, you, 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 want, you don't just want to get a good night's sleep in the hotel. You do not want to think about what's been going on in that mattress that you're, you're, you're lying on. Who buys a hotel mattress? Jim Swift, is that the kind of thing you do? Well, Charlie, I, I would encourage everyone listening to read your article because it includes the word sweet jeebus, which I think is the first time we've ever published that phrase at the <laughs> Weekly Standard. That sweet particular jeebus, profanity. Who wants a hotel mattress? Weirdos. You know, I mean, Weirdos, you, that's who. Oh, no, well, not, I don't want weirdos, but I mean, I look, I, I am not a germaphobe. I'm not one of these guys. You know, my, my wife is always giving me these wipes to wipe stuff down, and I kind of roll my eyes. But, I mean, seriously, the, here's, here's from Slate magazine. Mattresses can harbor dust mites, skin cells, hair, cosmetics, perfume, and bodily fluids. Pads and sheets should catch much of the material, though some particles will be able to bypass these barriers. Bodily fluids often – see, <laughs> People were not expecting the term bodily fluid to be on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Bodily fluids often seep through the layers, particularly sweat, dot, dot, dot. The average person produces 26 gallons of sweat in bed each year. This dampness, combined with a person's body heat, creates the perfect environment for fungal flora to flourish. I think what you just got to understand is that that's Trump International fungal flora. It's the best fungal flora you can get anywhere uh, in this country, anywhere in any number of other countries where, where Trump International hotels can be found. And, and it's international. So what about the amazing bed bugs? Because oh, well, yeah. when you go to Trump International hotels, they send their best bed bugs. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of hybrid vigor going on over there. Okay, I am I am obsessed with this because just leave it. Well, you can't leave aside the fact that he's supposed to be the director of the Environmental Protection Agency. <laughs> I mean... Did, now, like, did, did he rip so, the little uh, tag off? Oh, man. You know, the... the okay. uh, that's what, that, <laughs> will be the tipping, that will be the tipping point. You, can, you um, can't even give a mattress away. If you go on Craigslist and anywhere in the United States, you go on Craigslist in the free section, people cannot give away mattresses because it's weird. Yeah, you should have swung by my apartment complex. <laughs> the most powerful four-letter word um, beginning with F in the world is free. You can give away, you know, when I used to have a radio show, I, I tried to illustrate this because anytime we gave anything away, you know, the lines would light up and everything. So um, I said, hey, uh, you know, a free bag of Durfus to the first 12 callers. And, of course, the lines immediately lit up. And I asked the first several callers, I said, okay, so, hey, you won the, the Durfus. How do you feel about that? That's great. That's fantastic. I said, what is, do you know what Durfus is? No, just, I, I just made it up, but it, but it was free and they wanted it. That was kind of so, mean. It sounds kind of mean. Right. Nobody wants a free mattress. I'm just trying to. If you want a free bag of Durfus, email editor at weeklystandard.com. <laughs> you, you, you want it. But I just, um, the, the, the toxic combination of what sycophancy and, uh, and greed here, did somebody tell him, you know, you might have some Donald Trump spore. You, this is where Donald Trump did X or slept or whatever. Uh, but it does raise the question about why one of the great mysteries of, okay, the great mystery in my mind 
um, why he wanted the mattress. But the other mystery is why he still has his job. And I do get kind of a sense of a tipping point. Matt Lewis has a piece over at the Daily Beast saying there's no good reason for Scott Pruitt to still have a job. Do you get a sense that, that despite the fact that the president singled him out for praise yesterday, that Scott Pruitt might have outworn his welcome, Andrew Egger? Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell because um, on the one hand, uh, the, the president does uh, really like Scott Pruitt. He thinks Scott Pruitt has done a lot of work in terms of the, 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 the one of the big things that his administration has, uh, you know, had a feather in their cap for, which is, you know, environmental deregulation, which has done a lot to help help the economy uh, stay strong. Um, at the same time, you know, it's it's been months with this stuff, you know, and it, and it seems like Scott Pruitt has has continued uh, to to carry himself over at at EPA and in in such a way where he's just kind of flaunting not not just you know ethical guidelines, but but just sort of basic like PR type things. Like you can you know the the thing about the mattress wasn't just that, that was like weird; it was that he sent one of his uh, government aides to like pick that up and was like constantly using these aides uh, for 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 uh, you know personal business that flaunted these these ethics regulations and things like that. And it's just, it's just at a certain point, um, it, it doesn't matter how much good stuff he's done uh, for you policy-wise or anything like that. It just the, the drip of stories uh, about him that's been going on for so long. At a certain point, you think that the, even the president has to has to you know be willing to cut bait with this guy. You know, I mean, we, we joke a lot about the swamp and all of that stuff. But, uh, you know, you gentlemen know people in government. You have been in, in, in government. I know people in government. And the vast majority of them have a gene or that little voice that tells you what you can and can't do. Uh, they, they know that you, you don't have your 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 government, your federal government staffers go out and look for mattresses. You do not write uh, emails. You have to have your staffers write emails, you know, on the government account to a company like Chick-fil-A to try to, uh, you know, score a job for your wife. You know that that will get you in trouble, that there's a line. Scott Pruitt is not a dumb man. He is a lawyer. And yet, for some reason, he doesn't have that gene. Now, I understand that maybe being in the Trump administration, looking around and seeing the, the uh, you know, quote-unquote ethical standards, maybe he thought this was something he could get away with. But it is extraordinary. Now, let me just ask you this, because, of course, there will be some people who say, look, um, th- this is – all of this is a double standard. You know, folks uh, in the Obama administration also had uh, spent a lot of money, had security, uh, flew first class, whatever – uh, the only reason we're talking about Scott Pruitt is because he's being effective, because he, in fact, is the tip of the spear of the Trump administration's deregulation campaign. And, and that's why the left and the media is out to get him. Is, is, is that a, is that well, give me your sense, uh, Jim Swift, about um, whether or not that is the case? You know, I don't I don't think it's unfair. I think we should expect that and we should go into this expecting this. Uh, Pruitt's predecessors governed effectively and they also did it did so in a way where uh, uh people on the right were trying to target them for these sorts of things i mean i i'm forgetting the last name of his last epa secretary but he had a bunch of rich people uh who were flying their own planes and not charging the government uh i i i think that all these things are preventable that scott pruitt despite being a lawyer is uh, probably not a bright guy and and, and and i don't say that it's like an insult but the whole chick-fil-a franchise thing is so weird to me <laughs> And I want to talk about that for just a second because Chick-fil-A is unique in its franchises. It's not like you pay a million dollars and you own a McDonald's and you can own five. Chick-fil-A uh, operators are franchisees who don't even own more than like 20% or something of a franchise. And you have to go through training school and like the, the Chick-fil-A still owns like 80% of the restaurant and you're expected to operate it. 
are we really to believe that the EPA secretary's wife wanted to run a Chick-fil-A, like personally, like <laughs> be the manager and okay. head person who's running a Chick-fil-A? It, it, <laughs> and to me, that suggests that they probably just liked Chick-fil-A and they had no research whatsoever and thought maybe they could get a special <laughs> deal. And, you know, then the stupidity of having uh, using your, your government email and your staff to try and uh, coordinate that uh, is, is just to me, a suggestion, and along with the whole used mattress thing, is just, he's just making easily preventable mistakes and claims that, ooh, the left's targeting him. Well, he's being an idiot. Yeah, and if I could, yeah, if but, I could just add one thing to that, sure. I, I think it's I think it's totally true that that we we could have seen this coming. That that he has done a lot of you know good work for the Trump administration, and for that reason, uh, you know liberals and 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 Democrats in the media would would he'd have a target on his back, and they would go after him. But you know who else should have realized that was Scott Pruitt. He right. should have you know he, knowing That's that why this you're is careful, right because you know, know exactly you're under this kind of a microscope. Yeah, yeah, and and instead of you know giving even like one modicum of care or. Or you know, just tr- trying to to walk a you know a toe the line wherever you can because you you feel strongly about the, the the work that you're doing and you don't want that to be tarnished. He's 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 been a loose cannon since he got here. You know, it's it, there, there's there's no uh, apparent uh, care that we can see uh, from this that that Scott Pruitt you know even cares all that much about the work the work that he's been doing other than that it's what he's been hired to do. And I think that's uh, unfortunate because he sort of has, he falls right into the the exact stereotype. Um, that that people on the left have for a guy like him, which is that he he doesn't come in here because he cares about the environment or even because he cares about you know having good environmental regulations that 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 he he at least looks like from all of these these public gaffes and scandals that he's just a person who's come in here in order to sort of uh, you know live large and and you know. Uh, Get, get himself forward, uh, which is exactly the the, the stereotype that that. No, you know, this, is, just... this is a really important point because it, he he is he's an embarrassment to the administration, but he also now is in a position where he undermines everything that conservatives want to accomplish. I mean, he 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 does toxify that that particular agenda. Now, let's talk about the politics. I mean, obviously, this comes down to a constituency of of one. But up until now, uh, Scott Pruitt has had strong support among activist uh, conservatives, you know, including many, uh, many of the usual suspects who signed a, a letter. Now, he, he's been hemorrhaging a little support in in the Senate, in, in, in Congress. But is is he likely still to have that that phalanx of uh, activist support, do you think? Or, or, is, or, or are people going to realize, nah, it's just, this is this has gone too far? The activists will never go against him. Uh, you know, I, I saw a tweet, I think it was from John Cornyn, I, just before we jumped into the studio here, and a reporter had asked him, well, what do you think about the latest with, with, with Pruitt? And he said, well, you know, it's not my job to tell him whether he needs to stay or go. That's, that's up to the president. But I do think it's a little weird. It's exactly your job. You can remove yeah. these people. Advice you, you, and consent. Yeah, and so uh, that to me suggests that um, you know if 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 the majority whip of the United States Senate is basically going to tell a reporter that he doesn't care to do his job, uh, that the the supporters uh, who probably think Pruitt and Trump can do no wrong will just continue to continue to think that. Yeah, I mean, also the question is whether or not uh, uh, Trump himself decides that uh, that this is an embarrassment, um, that he's getting too much of the limelight. As you know, uh, this is this is an administration with only one prima donna. Well, I do want to get to the the president's uh, latest. Uh, how many times have we said this in the last five hundred days? L- latest latest tweet storm. <laughs> but think about Tom Price, yeah. though. Tom Price resigned well, that, for was, far less, I mean, far less than Tom what Pruitt's Price done. Do to to justify being fired 
that Pruitt hasn't done. Uh, Tom Price was just an honorable man who did the right thing. Well, um, uh, eventually. Yeah. Let's get, let's get uh, yeah. to eventually. Well, <laughs> well, something is actually happening on Capitol Hill that is, uh, has been somewhat unusual, uh, pushback in both the Senate and the House of Representatives on this issue of tariffs. Uh, this is something we haven't, we haven't seen before. Uh, Bob Corker uh, tabled a bill uh, that would have uh, limited the president's power. There's also House Republicans that are uh, asserting their constitutional uh, authority. Um, talk to me about this a little bit, uh, Andrew Egger. You're, you're seeing a little bit of Republican pushback, and we have not seen this a lot in the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a couple issues really on which just this week we've we've seen some Republicans get at least a little bit antsier. Now this is nothing. This is nothing incredibly game changing. This is nothing that leadership has been hopping behind or anything like that. Uh, but but you did have you know Bob Corker uh, in, in, introduce who's you know as you know has been a sort of uh, sometimes friend, sometimes foe of the president over the past year. Um, he's retiring, so he can kind of you know he has a little more leeway to to, to rattle the cages. But he introduced this bill to uh, essentially curtail uh, the president's power to, to unilaterally um, uh, set these tariffs as a matter of national security, um, which obviously he got a, a lot of news coverage for um, because he's a Republican senator uh, challenging the president's uh, agenda on that. He's got a point. I mean, it's it's sort of uh, it's sort of crazy that the, the executive branch has has been able to allocate all of this uh, trade power to itself essentially just by um, by claiming that it is for the purpose of national defense, you know every every trade move that the Trump administration has done has been for this uh, for this justification. Even though you know you, you go just one layer down, and it's very obvious that the actual things that the president cares about are like the trade deficit, um, and you know making sure well, that other wait, people. Well, wait, wait. I mean, no, come I mean, come on. I mean, remember, you know, the, those damn Canadians—they did burn the White House. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean they, the Canadians burned the freaking White House back in eighteen. Right. Well, so obviously, I mean, this national security thing, there's something to it, right? Yeah, so Charlie, we're entering the Canadian bacon presidency where, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the president's approval ratings are, are low and his advisors tell him that starting a Cold War with Canada would be really great for his ratings. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's it, already it over, right? This. Yeah. It, joke. <laughs> yes, we are. We are literally we are literally now living in Michael Moore's only good movie. <laughs> I did like this quote from uh, from uh, Mark Walker, uh, the head of the uh, Republican Study Committee. He said, that, uh, I think the more that we exercise our Article One powers, the better. Uh, the, and then uh, Tom Cole uh, said, the Constitution is pretty clear. That is our power. Right. I mean, it's 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 a little bit late. But, you know, this is a good thing that re that Republicans in Congress are basically reminding the president that we do not have an imperial presidency, that there is a role for Congress uh, as opposed to the 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 kind of the kind of unilateral I govern with a pen stuff that we all hated when Obama did it. Yeah, and even if even if you don't end up seeing legislation go through, which it seems like we're not going to, you know, McConnell already spiked this particular bill that Corker had. Um, but it, it does have at least one real political consequence, which is that as the Trump administration is uh, sort of internally struggling and quarreling about how to do all these things, and we know that happens constantly, trade is one of the issues on which uh, even even the, the White House's own senior staffers are most divided and most sort of jockeying for the president's own ear. Um, at the very least, this kind of signaling from Republicans that they're not just going to put up with you know indefinite trade war type tactics uh, could hopefully, you know, potentially... Uh, at least put pressure on the president to uh, to, to move in a more ironic direction toward our, toward our trading allies. 
the the other pushback uh, from from Capitol Hill, um, actually two things. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, who of course has been very very reluctant to push back against the president, uh, said two things yesterday. Number one, he endorsed the opinion by uh, Congressman Trey Gowdy that basically said uh, there's nothing to Spygate. Um, you know, he nothing that he has seen indicates that the FBI did anything wrong, uh, and you you can tell that's really riled up the usual suspects, Lou Dobbs and. Was the guy knew you know with the his the, the freshman Republican congressman from Florida was just a constant Gates. embarrassment. Matt Gates. Gates, good grief! Um, so uh, he, you know that that basically sticks a dagger in the whole Spygate narrative. And then also he's asked about whether or not the president has the power to pardon himself. And Ryan said, uh, no, he he doesn't think so. He said, look, I'm 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 not a lawyer on all of this, but. And then he used the phrase, no one is above the law. So by the standards, the world we live in now, those were two things that, uh, you know, at least, at least, at least mark a, a, a mini baby step pivot uh, on Ryan's part. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that Ryan said that. I, I wrote in our my n- newly returned daily afternoon links newsletter at the Weekly Standard. Sign up at newsletters.weeklystandard.com. It's a good newsletter. And, uh, I get it every afternoon. And so one of, the, one of my points uh, was uh, that, and I, I think this is, this is an impeachable event and I'm I guess maybe I'm the first at the weekly standard to to, to get so woke and, and, and say this. <laughs> but if the president believes that he can pardon himself for anything and you have to keep in mind that literally no uh, inquiry into his behavior or his campaign's behavior uh, is something he considers legitimate. He calls it a witch hunt and everything else. So if he's suggesting that he has the authority to basically say, ah, no, I'm gonna pardon myself that is him admitting he believes he's above the law. And so I'm glad that Speaker Ryan uh, took that stance, that saying nobody's above the law, because I- I'm old enough to remember, Charlie, that when I worked on the Hill, above the law was something that Republicans trotted out a lot when they were talking about the executive actions of President uh, a, Obama. A, a lot. Um, yeah. I'm so- looking right now, and this is probably not a great idea. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the president's uh, Twitter feed this morning, and he makes a, a brief mention of foreign policy, talking about North Korea. Think about that as the third or fourth <laughs> summit. Uh, briefly. And, th- and then he goes back to what he really actually cares about. Um, and, and here's one two hours ago. Our Justice Department must not let uh, Awan and Debbie Wasserman Schultz off the hook. Uh, the Democrat IT scandal is the key to much of the corruption we see today. They really want to make a plea deal to hide what is on their server. Where is the server really bad? Uh, so here you have this, the president casually. Uh, suggesting that his Department of Justice um, go after or, or, or hammer his political opponents. Can I, can I throw something in here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just keep sure. butting in. Of course, this is Nixonian, but President Obama, to his credit, had the foresight not to weigh in about potential cases for fear of tainting them. And if there is a case to be made against Debbie Wasserman Schultz or whatever the other one is, their lawyers are going to say this is not a fair case. The president of the United States has already implied guilt, and they're probably going to likely get off if that even happens. Is this guy that dumb? And if I could just take this in an even screwier direction for one second, uh, I don't know if you guys <laughs> please, are, are up to yeah. speed on all of the uh, the QAnon conspiracy theories, which well, are basically a, I saw a QAnon car the other day. Oh, yeah. oh, really? Google oh, wow. QAnon. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, essentially, the, I mean, it, it to to bring our readers up to speed, it's the idea that actually the Mueller Mueller uh, investigation and the Department of Justice are are ostensibly investigating Trump, but they're secretly working with Trump in order to investigate and bring down Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and you know John Podesta and. 
so many the sex crime people. Oh yeah, I mean every, everyone, uh, the 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 international gang of pedophiles. It's 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 all it's all going to be coming out here. It's the Bilderbergers, but, but the good ones. Ex- exactly right. Um, so the. I, the thing I like about all of this is that um, the president's blowing his QAnon cover because uh, he's 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 letting the cat out of the bag that they're going after after Debbie Wasserman Schultz and all of these other guys. So, hey you guys, know. you you understand that if my head actually explodes, you're going to have to do this podcast <laughs> yourselves. Just just so you know that we're going to get to that point. That's, all right, I'll rein it up. Speaking of, of pardons. Um, you know, the, the report uh, over the last 24 hours is that there, he's the, he really is obsessed with pardons. He likes handing out pardons. And you can understand why he likes handing out pardons uh, and as many as 30 of them. And, of course, uh, then we had the Kim Kardashian pardon. You, you can't even make this stuff anymore. But it was a compelling picture of that of that black woman who was released from from prison. Her sentence was commuted. Uh, you know, she had been a you know, one time drug dealer, etc. Et, et it was a feel good story. And you know that Donald Trump is sitting there going, this works, I like this. And I have to tell you, I think this is actually one of the most sinister developments because because if, if the president decides to turn that pardon power into kind of a celebrity uh, pardon reality TV show, you really get a sense of how arbitrary the rule of law can be. I will pardon you. You rot in jail. Um, you have someone that I like who's curried favor with me, some celebrity. You go to that person. They become kind of the broker. I let you out. Uh, I don't let you out because I don't like you. You know, you, you want to talk about taking the rule of law and turning it on its head because the whole concept of the rule of law is that we are a nation of laws, not men. We do not govern with fear or favor. Um, and I could really see, though, in our entertainment political culture, people eating this up. I was actually driving home last night. I flew back from New York. I'm driving home listening to Van Jones on CNN. Nice. Hey, Van Jones saying how wonderful this was, how great this was, you know, and just, you know, talking about how wonderful Jared Kushner was on this particular issue. And I'm thinking, guys, you really need to have a big picture here. If, in fact, the president decides that this is the one and you understand the attraction. I mean, it's a feel good story. I mean, it is a made for TV story. And it's the one thing he can do without with virtually without any limits whatsoever. So you want to talk about uh, taking the rule of law and kicking it in the you know what? This this is going to be a major development, not to mention the fact that after 20 or 30 pardons, we just get completely numb to it. You hand out pardons like Skittles. And at a certain point. It goes beyond normalized to, okay, there's the president. That's what the president does, you know? You well, know, kids will grow up and go, well, what does the president do? Is he the commander? No, he's the guy that hands out pardons. Donald Trump the merciful. <laughs> I know we like to talk about the movie Idiocracy on this podcast, but it reminds me. Well, we don't talk about it enough. <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, the uh, Monday Night Rehabilitation with uh, Beef Supreme and uh, Not Sure. If President Trump now realizes that he can buy, seemingly buy goodwill at any time and it will hijack the news cycle. Um, plus, this, this also sort of creates a bad precedent that if you if you go in and you just kiss the ring, uh, President Trump will, will do this. I mean, Martha Stewart, Rod Blagojevich are, are next on the thing. But like, how, how far are we from O.J. Simpson and and, and, and other sorts of cases? And it, it, it just I, 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 you know, the president does have the right to pardon whom he chooses or she chooses if we ever have a female president. 
but it does worry me that uh, he's becoming seemingly obsessed about this. Andrew? Well, if I could just p- push back a little against you heartless jerks, um, <laughs> I I do think that it was Wait. it was great to see, and it, what's her name? Alice Johnson, I think. Was, Alice was Murray, her, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. yeah. yeah um, I, it, was, it was really nice to see that it was her that was pardoned, and not, you know, Martha Stewart or Rod Blagojevich or, you know, sure. Stephen Crowder or some other right wing, you know, like it's, at the very least, it's not just another, you know, uh, Dinesh D'Souza crank who has, there's no actual practical benefit it's it's this woman got out of prison and she probably shouldn't have been there and i think that's a good thing it's great but then next it'll be james o'keefe maybe we'll see we can only oh, hope. you know you know that james o'keefe is going to be on that list yeah absolutely. i don't know the image that the image that came to my mind and i probably should edit rather than say it but this is a podcast so right you just <laughs> blurt, blurt things out that's what people you know, show up um, for you know we, we, we talk about bread and circuses you, you get that picture of you know the emperor sitting up there and you know the various you know people who you know you know who are, who are fighting in the arena, and then the 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 emperor who you know rules as it as an autocrat you know will will give the thumbs up and everybody goes oh this is fantastic what a feel good story dilly dilly you know <laughs> C- C- Cicero didn't get eaten by the lions now. today you know he is good and he is merciful well I mean this is this is part of it the bread and circuses is, is the good stuff you give out yeah now, I'm gonna, gonna regret that but at least we didn't bring up Hitler in this conversation that's true until now. So, yeah, we're back to Caligula, but not him. Maybe that, that should be our rule. I, and, and the podcast on Hitler mentions. Yeah, we, we actually have to do that. Um, actually, Andrew, you had a piece a couple of days ago, though, speaking of the actual substance of this rather than just uh, all of the chaff that's being thrown out um, about the, you know, one of the more recent developments uh, with the Mueller investigation with uh, with Paul Manafort uh, being accused of witness tampering. And, uh, you know, you, 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 I want you to talk about your, your, your piece, uh, you know, how do those accusations fit into Mueller's investigation? Well, so it's, it's, it's a little unclear, right? Um, and, and I, I've even thought a little bit more about this, even since I wrote that piece, read up some more stuff about it. It sort of depends on how strong, um, the actual allegation of witness tampering is against Manafort. And obviously, you know, it's, it, no one was surprised to see that headline because Paul Manafort is sort of fighting tooth and nail uh, to get out of this any way he can. Um, you know, it's, he, he's been kind of an unscrupulous operator all his life. At the same time, um, some pretty reasonable uh, observers have, have have looked at these indictments and said, well, we don't we don't really think that this evidence, at least that, that's been presented so far, uh, would really amount to witness tampering. So it's there, there's a couple potential things that, that we could take away from this. And one is that um, if it is true that 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 Mueller is is sort of fo- uh, following or going out on a, on a thin branch in order to try to ramp up the pressure on Manafort in order to try, because the, the, the takeaway would be that if, if, uh, if a judge agrees with Mueller that, that Manafort was attempting to tamper with witnesses, he could be thrown in prison now, not after a lengthy trial. So obviously that's a strong incentive uh, if, if, if Mueller is still attempting to flip Manafort. Um, the, the question is then, is why would Mueller be doing that? And, and the thing that I've seen speculated from some people, I believe on, on Lawfare and, and elsewhere, is that you know, perhaps this just shows that Mueller himself is sort of starting to feel some pressure to wrap this thing up, which I think is good. I think it's I think it's good that he recognizes that that you know the the getting this thing over quicker is better, not just for uh, you know seeing justice served sooner rather than later, but also just because every cycle around this you know through no fault of Mueller's, but just because of the political realities that we have now um, is more and more toxic, and and it's it's just not it's not good for uh, the democracy for us to be embroiled in this in this kind of thing, and obviously the president has done nothing in order to assuage that, and the president's enemies have done nothing other to uh, have done nothing to assuage that. Um, so I think the hopefully uh, this. Is an indicator that we will see at least some sort of end to this sooner rather than later. 
I'm, I'm watching Donald Trump's Twitter feed still. Um, no, please stop. 15 minutes ago, he actually posted. I'm not going to put on the audio. <laughs> we'll do it live. Um, he's got to be, he, but he's a, a, a video that uh, of Barack Obama and of uh, Hillary Clinton. He's just he's not he's not he's not letting go of of all of this stuff. He's just. He is just not going to let go. Hey, we have to mention this because this is this ought to be a much, much bigger story. In fact, if we made a list of things that why is this not a bigger story, um, this would be absolutely at the top. Um, yesterday morning, Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, uh, that Rob Portman is the chairman of that, issued a report about the Obama administration's um, dealings with the Iranians at the time of the nuclear deal. And apparently, according to the, some of the testimony, um, Iran was supposed to be denied access to the U.S. dollar and U.S. banking system. You know, the administration said that Iran would not be given access to the U.S. financial system. But apparently now we're finding out the Obama administration circumvented its own stated policy. In February 2016, the Treasury Department issued a license permitting Iran to convert $5.7 billion it held in Oman from Omani rials to U.S. dollars and then into euros, this would have directly violated the sanctions law then in place, as well as the terms of the nuclear deal. The only reason the transaction never took place is that American banks, despite pressure from the Obama administration, refused to go along, citing compliance, reputational, and legal risks. So as uh, the Weekly Standard editorialized yesterday, to put it plainly, Obama officials asked U.S. banks to break the law and the banks said no. And it gets worse because when Obama officials were questioned by lawmakers about whether Iran would have access to the banking system, those officials failed to disclose that. In fact, they'd act they'd already actively facilitated Iran's access. Okay, so this is this is one of those things where the more you find out about what was going on behind the scenes with the Obama Iran deal, the worse it gets, doesn't it? They lied, and that's that's what we said in our in our editorial. And um, imagine imagine being sympathetic and thinking of big banks as uh, as the hero <laughs> of the story here. Uh, but you know, we we concluded that editorial with saying. Quote, we viscerally disagreed with that view about the Iran deal, but it was a legitimate view. And when the Obama administration officials couldn't persuade Congress and the public about their outlook, they simply lied about it. We hear a great deal these days about the grave repercussions of presidential untruths, and rightly so. But the previous administration, it seems, perpetuated deliberate untruths with calamitous consequences for U.S. policy in the Middle East. And now Ben Rhodes has a job on MSNBC. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back again tomorrow. And we'll do this all over again. <laughs>